0: says that uh, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Uh, The wages of sin is death. God
1: sent his son to pay that debt, and when the son died, justice was satisfied.
0: The truth is offensive. The truth is offensive. The gospel is offensive. not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20. What's going on guys? Welcome to episode number two of That Good Medicine Podcast season two. I'm your host, Uncle Marco, Marcus Arnett. I'm here with my co-host, Seth Carter, a.k.a. Little Nephew. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good. How about
0: yourself? Oh, I'm just wonderful. It's a Monday evening at uh, 8 p.m. We're recording this for this Thursday's episode and I'm just happy to be doing this again.
1: I am too man. I had a lot of joy during the last episode.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully out of all of our total that I checked a minute ago, 19 listeners, uh, we hadn't ran anybody off, but if we have, so be it, I guess. Um, If
1: 10 of them come back, we're, we're still winning.
0: There you go. So, got a little bit of feedback on the last episode. Not a whole lot, but nothing negative so far. Um,
1: that's surprising.
0: Yeah, considering the area we live in, for sure. I think when you give people the scripture and explain things in a way that's not overcomplicated, you know, the, the scripture is not complicated. Sure, there are deep things in the scripture, which we'll get into some of them tonight. But if you explain them in a way that's uh, just plain spoken and give scripture to back it up. It's really hard to argue against that.
1: Yeah, as Dr. J. Barry McGee used to say, he goes, you want to put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get it. Sure. You don't want to set them up so high they can't reach them.
0: Yeah. We want them to graduate at some point, though. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> so we got to keep it going. So that being said, uh, we're going to start our five-episode uh, series, starts tonight, On the five points of Calvinism. Seth, what are the five points of Calvinism?
1: Well, you have five doctrines and the total of five points. Mm -hmm. You have total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints.
0: So the one we're going to hit on tonight will be, obviously, the first one. Uh, We're going to go in order. The T is total depravity. So there is a thing or was a thing, there still really is a thing that kind of goes around as uh semi Yeah. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah.
1: Semi-Pelagius.
0: And mm-hmm. Pelagianism. Plagianism. And what that teaches is uh, Pelagius was a monk in the early like 300 to 400s. And he taught that we are born without sin um, and that we didn't inherit any sin. And so, Take from that what you will. We'll get into that a little bit further here here shortly. But um, that's just kind of to give you an idea of what the opposite of the, what the doctrine we're going to teach you tonight, yeah. what kind of the opposite of that is.
1: That's the total opposite of it. Absolutely. Like you have our Reformed biblical view of it, and that right there is as far as you could go away from it. Right. It's when you say we're born without any sin.
0: So it's important that we start off kind of defining some things and what, what some things yeah. mean. So if you hear us say semi plagiarism I can't ever say it right. That's all right. If, but if you hear that term, if you hear me say that, that's what we're talking about. It's it's uh, it's a, a thing that was actually condemned in many councils and church, and Pelagius himself was uh, excommunicated from the church in in the year 418. So this is something... Uh, sadly that's still carried on in, in many churches in, in different forms and, and you know packaged differently but kind of the same thing.
1: Yeah, most people are semi pelagian. Yeah. They're not full on Pelagian. Uh there might be some denominations out there that sure. teach that but probably most, pretty
0: few that would teach that.
1: Yeah, very few, but the most that you see in this area is semi Pelagian. Mm-hmm.
0: Which means that it well here's let's let's define these terms. Monergism and synergism. So monergism Is what we believe is true to the scriptures It's that regeneration is the work of God Through the Holy Spirit alone And uh, synergism, which is what semi-Pelagianism believes Is that regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit But with our cooperation With man's assistance With man's assistance As in saying that God needs our help
1: Saying that we must exercise our free will In order for God to be able to save us
0: Yes, so that kind of leads us right into kind of the heart of the discussion, and I'll kick us off on this, and then I'll kick it over to you. But you cannot talk about um, the doctrine of total depravity without discussing original sin. What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, did that just uh, semi-corrupt us, or are we totally corrupt from that? That's kind of where uh, it all kicks off at. And so you can't talk about total depravity without original sin, so where does that start at? I'm gonna read you a verse of scripture here in Genesis, and that would be in chapter two of Genesis verses sixteen and seventeen. The Lord took the man Oh just kidding verse sixteen and seventeen and the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of tree of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in it. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So what happened with that? We know what happened with that. Sin entered the world in chapter 3 of Genesis and verses 12 and 13. Let's read that. Verses 12 and 13 in Genesis 3 says, The man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So sin entered the world. God said, here's what I'm giving you. Eat of this. Don't eat of this, basically, and man sinned. Yep. That's that's how sin entered in th- to the picture to begin with.
1: Yeah, it's important when we mention total depravity or total inability, the word total in it doesn't mean the idea of every person being evil as they possibly can be. Mm-hmm. You can look at yourself and others and see that you're not as bad as you possibly can be, but it does mean the fall was so serious that it affects the whole person. The fall in this that occurred in the Garden of Eden, as you mentioned, passed on to all human beings through the seed of Adam. The fall really grasps a hold of our human nature and affects our bodies, and uh, that's why there's sickness and eventually death. Uh, the original sin from that affects our minds, our way of thinking. We still have the ability to think, but sadly it's corrupted. We still make choices, but we make choices according to our nature. To sum it up, the will of mankind is no longer in its original state of moral, moral power.
0: Yeah, so the free will that we often hear that we have now, uh, as an un- unregenerate person, a person that's unsaved, that will that we're saying is free is, is really truly according to the scriptures is in bondage of sin so i'm going to read this to you uh we've mentioned before we be- sorry we- i couldn't hear what you s- siri can't understand what i'm saying but hopefully y'all can so we've mentioned this before we've made mention of uh, the 1689 london baptist confession and we do hold to that we believe that it teaches sound doctrine and it's good it has a catechism in it for children to learn things for well, it's good for adults too but Uh, Chapter 6 of the London Baptist Confession, I'm going to read a couple things out of it because it's very, very good. Uh, So in paragraph 2, chapter 6 of the 1689 London Baptist Confession says this, Our first parents, by this sin, talking about the sin in the garden that I read to you from Genesis 2 and 3, fell from their original righteousness and communion with God. So they had righteousness at that point. They had communion with God. And we, in them whereby death came upon all all becoming dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of our soul and body so you can reference Romans 3 23 for that you can reference Romans 5 and 12 for that Titus 1 and 15 Genesis 6 and 5 Jeremiah 17 and 9 Romans 3 10 through 19 there's so much scripture that, that points to uh, the sin that came into the world our original sin and how it totally corrupts us. So let's read paragraph three real quick. Um, the they talking about Adam and Eve being the root, and by God's appointment, standing in the room and in, in the in the steed of all mankind, the guilt of sin was imputed. So you you all anybody that's listened to us has maybe heard the term imputed righteousness. Is what happens to us when the righteousness of Christ when we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Um, So, through the fall in the garden, sin was imputed to us, and we were corrupted, Uh, it says corrupted, and nature conveyed, to all their posterity, and descending from them by ordinary generation, by now conceived in sin, and by nature children of wrath, the servants of sin, and the subjects of death, and all other misery, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. So unless Jesus Christ intervenes, um, we are totally dead, totally depraved, totally incapable of saving ourselves, or as we said, uh, explaining the, the opposite view of this, the total opposite view of this, semi plagiism. The opposite view of this is that, yes, uh, we may be corrupt at some point, but we didn't inherit the corruptness of Adam and Eve from our Adam, our federal head. We didn't inherit that original sin we just kind of gained it along the way is semi-plagianism and it teaches that we are have the ability to make a make a decision make a choice one day to become safe and so uh, just from the scripture there you see that's not true we inherited the sin of our our adam who we would call our federal head and we've inherited his sin
1: yeah that's the reason why you have so-called election in the bible mm-hmm i mean that's the reason why it's called election and if nobody's elected nobody would ever be saved yeah um jesus taught that in the new testament that whoever sins is a slave of sin and to add what you said we're not in christ we're in bondage to it we are enslaved to our sinful evil desires of our hearts the will the physical body the mind and the spirit the entire person and being has been affected by the power of sin yes Sin comes from the very core, core of our hearts, which is the center of our existence. And R.C. Sproul said, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. I, was, I had
0: the same quote down. I was getting ready to read it. Yeah, so a lot of times what you'll hear is, um, maybe you may not hear it this way, but this is kind of how it's presented and how I, even as a, a younger child, thought of it this way. You don't really think of yourself as a sinner. You think, okay, I, I became a certain age and then I started sinning. That's really not the case, according to Scriptures. We inherited the sin of Adam for all mankind. All of us inherited that sin. So, yeah, it's not, you know, we don't sin, like you said, or like R.C. Sproul said, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's who we are. It's our nature. So uh, just having a a decision, a simple moral change in our life is not going to cut it. uh, It takes a supernatural work of God.
1: It does, and it's the nature is uh, what feeds the will of man. Mm -hmm. If you have a godly nature, which is the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling inside of you, you're going to choose the things that God wants you to choose, and you're going to choose what what he delights in. But if you're completely uh, dead in sin, you're just going to make... All your decisions are sinful, just to sum it up. That's the best way to put it. Because Romans 14:23 says, Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Every single action a lost person does is sin.
0: Yeah. Just to go back to the uh, London Baptist Confession, in chapter 6, paragraph 4, it says this, From this original corruption, so the original corruption, our original sin, whereby we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all that is good. Romans tells us that there's none that seek after God. There's none that that, uh, that want God. There's none that seek after Him. There's none that seek righteousness. There's none good. No, not one, the scripture tells us. There's not even one of us that are good. So we're not born with this. I know we see babies and we think that's an innocent baby. In a sense, maybe. But that baby... It's born with the sin nature, just it like is. all the rest of us,
1: and it won't be long. You see that baby dishonoring its mother
0: and father. Sure, so we're we're wholly inclined to do. I'm, I say wholly, not not h o l y w h o l l. Yeah, wholly inclined to do all evil, and we do the things we we the things that we do proceed from our nature, the nature that we have. So let me read this to you real quick, Colossians. 1 and verse 21 says this. Let me get there. Colossians 1 and 21 says that, and I'm still scrolling, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled. So we were once alienated. We were hostile. What does alienated means? It means we're foreigners. It means we're separated from God. We were, uh, He's, uh, in Colossians it's saying he, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him so we were once alienated from God think of it like this we think of the garden with Adam and Eve and, and the perfect paradise. perfect paradise that they had were they given law yes they were given a command. Do not eat. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what happened? They did. And so from that, they broke God's law, and that sin was inherited to all mankind. Let me read this to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22 says this. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, So also in Christ shall all be made alive. In Adam, those that are in Adam, we've inherited death. And in Christ, we have inherited life, the resurrection of the dead. It can only come through Christ. And if we remain in Adam, eternal damnation is is ahead of us. But also you see from that scripture, we've inherited that death from Adam, from, from by that man, as the scripture says there.
1: Yeah, I mean that's our condition that's mm-hmm. our fallen condition it's, it's a sad thing and if you are saved listen; it should make you appreciate your salvation even more but if you're not saved we pray that God grant you the gifts of repentance and faith to believe in his son but I want to go to Romans 8 here and start in verse 6 following up on what you said on the condition this is what Paul says mm-hmm. for the mindset on the flesh is death but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace well, what do you have there? You have Adam's nature, and you have Christ there, redeeming. Yeah. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. And listen right here, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in this flesh cannot please God. Well, what's pleasing to God? Repent and believe. Right. That's pleasing towards God. And you yeah. can't do that without the Spirit regenerating you.
0: Yeah, so you may listen to this and say... I pretty much agree with everything you guys are saying about how depraved we are uh, and what that what you're saying with that. Why would this be, you guys are saying that this could be controversial. Why would this be controversial? Well, we kind of talked about it earlier on in the episode, but um, plagiarism, semi-plagiarism, and the belief that uh, we can exercise emphasizing on our human freedom will to be regenerated. That, and, and we know that it was condemned but we're saying as we said in the last episode it, it's not so much as, as having a choice in the matter it's that we are dead in our sins as we've presented to you from you know the scripture we shared with you here it's not that we're uh, sin sick we say that a lot and in a sense we are but we say we, we hear that term used a lot people are sin sick actually they're not sick they're dead
1: yeah, it's Ephesians, like a bunch of zombies walking around. Yeah, yeah
0: the walking dead, literally. You know that's
1: what's going on. Yeah,
0: and so you don't see people that are halfway, uh, halfway dead who still have this little bit of ability to believe. You see somebody who is totally depraved, totally incapable un- to believe unless God intervenes.
1: Absolutely, and that's the reason why people are so hostile towards this doctrine, Marcus, is because... It takes every bit of pride away from man.
0: Gives God all, all the credit, all the work is from God and goes to God.
1: All the God gets all the glory. Mm-hmm. You don't get to say, "Well, I made a decision to choose Christ." Yeah, we're not saying you don't make a decision,
0: but the decision that you make it is, because, is because, because your heart's already been changed.
1: It's already been changed. God's not believing for you, but He does give you the gifts to believe.
0: Yeah, repentance. We've said it many times on this show. Repentance is a gift. Faith is a gift from God. Both those things are gifts. God gives those things to you. So the reason why this could be hostile, this doctrine could be hostile to people is because you people will say, But I but I but I but I but I, I can still do this, but but I still have the ability to do this, but I still have free will, but I still do this. When we're telling you uh, number one, quit saying but I Yeah. You sound like a billy goat, but 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 but, <laughs> but other than that, what we're saying is Stop putting I in there and say, but God, yeah, but God intervenes.
1: Yeah, this is a God-centered doctrine. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not man-centered, and I think when people realize redemption's not all about them, the light starts to kick on. It's all about God and His glory.
0: Yeah, if it's if it, let's let's look at it this way. Would you, um, in looking at what your understanding of salvation? where do we get messed up with that with our understanding of, of soteriology, our understanding of how re- regeneration happens and how it works where we get mixed up is when we start to look internally to see instead of to look externally to say there's been an internal change in my life because what God externally, outside of me, what God has done, he's the one that made the, in, the internal change, not me, I had this internal problem, I internally took that internal problem to god and he changed it it doesn't work that way god is the one who changes us first
1: that's right and nobody seeks after god yeah nobody no.
0: does exactly and then
1: you say well i started really wondering about christianity and everything well here's the thing if you're seeking after the lord god's already begun to work in you it's all of him yeah and more than likely he's drawing you to the lord i can't say that for sure but you know what i mean
0: yeah Let's read this real quick, and it's it's a common one that I use on here, but I'm going to use it in Ephesians 2. Actually, let's just read, uh, yeah, I'm going to read a few verses in Ephesians verse or chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Not sick, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were by nature. We inherited that as children of wrath. We were once dead in our sins if we've if we've been regenerated, if we've been born again, we were once dead, and by our very nature we were children of wrath, the wrath of God abided on us. Let's keep reading. I figure I can't figure out where I stopped now. I gotta look side. Let's see. Uh, like the rest of mankind, we were by nature children of wrath, like the like the rest of mankind. Here's where I said, quit saying, but I, but I, but I. Sound like a Billy Goat. Say this. What does Scripture say? Ephesians two and four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespassing sins, even when we didn't have the capability to believe, even when we would have never chosen Him. God because of his being rich in mercy and his great love we were dead in our trespasses and sins he made us alive together with Christ it wasn't a joint effort God made us alive in Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus I can stop I can stop there and so good two. You about this one I could read through the whole chapter but it's very clear you can see in that scripture um, that we were dead in our trespasses and, and sins, but God made us alive it, when I read that Seth no part of that sounds like uh me and God worked this thing out. I went to God and brought this to him and and we worked it out we got it worked out God made us alive we were dead it's like God's walking through a cemetery and picking us up out of the out of the uh out of the ground that's
1: exactly that's exactly what's going on in you're not finding Jesus. He's finding
0: you. Right. And so Lazarus is a perfect perfect picture of, of this, you know, being dead. Um, Lazarus didn't just choose, manually choose to walk out out of his own free will. Christ came to, came to where he was at. And called right? him by name. Lazarus wasn't looking for him. He wasn't out here walking around dead. Lazarus was dead in his tomb, and Christ went to him and called him by his name. So not only do you see... Um, Total depravity in that, but you see God's election in that for
1: sure. Oh yeah, you see election all through the Bible with Israel in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. New Testament, and in individuals. You just see it all through the Bible.
0: Yeah, so it's not something that that we're just coming up with that we've just figured out. Maybe we've Seth and I both have have come to believe this doctrine in, in the last several years, but it's not something that's new. Uh, if you if you look throughout the history of the church, these doctrines that we're talking about have been historically accepted by. Protestants all throughout history. It's not something new.
1: It's nothing new at all. It's originally goes back to the time of the apostles and everything. I mean, Paul, Romans nine. Yeah. Even Jesus himself in John six taught this, and I know that probably offends a lot of people, but it's the scriptures.
0: Yeah. So we see uh, the breaking of of you know breaking off from the Catholic Church. And there's you know so much history is behind that, but the Catholic Church would teach something much different than this um, and we know that their their teachings are more work workspace I'm not going to get very deep into that because we hope to have an episode on Roman Catholicism at some point after we we do this series but just kind of going back to the beginning of this when we talked about we have these different views uh, is man totally dead is man uh, like does does man not inherit the sin of Adam and then just become a sinner at some point or, you know, what's the truth in this? And so we, I hope that we've shared to you from the scripture uh, clear evidence that we are dead in our trespasses and sins.
1: Yeah, we wanted to give you a biblical anthropology, which is the study of human uh, humanity as it relates to God, is what that is. We wanted it to be biblical. Yeah. We didn't want to just pull these ideas out or
0: yeah, so it's not we're not saying it's the first time you ever sin you become a sinner. As I said earlier, as he quoted R.C. Sproul, it's not the first time we sin we become a sinner. We inherited that sin from our 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 parents, our quote unquote our parents, our our first uh, our first federal head Adam in the fall in the garden. That original sin. That's why original sin is so important because you have original. If you don't have original sin, you have, you have people who say, "Well, I'm not really that bad of a person." And they'll try to justify it by using a semi-Pelagian view of um, soteriology.
1: They will. See, total depravity teaches, and this is a quote from Piper, our rebellion against God is total apart from his grace. There is no delight in the holiness of God, and there is no glad submission to the sovereignty of God. Yep. That's what Piper said. And with that, apart from the grace of God, there is no hope for you. Yeah. There's no hope for you at all. You're going to die in your
0: sins, sadly. And, in, and saying that, I just want to reiterate something I read from the from the London Baptist Confession, um, 1689, chapter 6 and paragraph number, two, or number 3, I want to reiterate this, that we're by nature children of wrath, as I read. Yeah, that's from the Scripture. That's not from the London Baptist Confession. That's from the Scripture. But all this misery that we have, the spiritual, temporal, eternal, um, all this we've inherited, and it will be forever unless the Lord Jesus sets us free. That's right. And that's the clear teaching of Scripture. We're in bondage of sin. Our will, not not only are we in bondage just with sin, but our, our uh, will is in bondage. So we say free will, really, truly free will in the way that it's often said we don't actually have. It, it. don't even exist. Right. And it's it's used in such a way to say... We can we can still make decisions. We can still do this. You make decisions according to what nature you have. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ.
1: That's right. And you take like a buzzard. I heard Jeff Durbin say this. You take like a buzzard and put a bunch of meat on one side. Then you put carrots on the other side. What's that buzzard going to do? It's going to go eat the meat. Right. Because it's its nature. The same is with us. Apart from God's grace, we're we'll going to choose sin. And with His grace, we we're to hopefully choose the things that He delights in. Not mm-hmm. saying we don't sin after we're saved; there's always sin. But you're going to definitely do things that are honoring to God if you've been born if you've been born again.
0: Yep. So, the doctrine of total depravity basically what it does is it provides insight to us uh, in on on a personal level. It provides that insight onto where where do we stand before God as as those that are Christians we stand as people that are still uh, sinners we still have a sin nature but we are we've been chosen been by redeemed. God we've been redeemed our hearts have been changed and we have a sin nature still but we have been changed our hearts have been changed, we're born again but for somebody that is not a Christian what does total depravity reveal? as you said, it, re- it reveals uh, where they stand with God
1: yeah and total rebellion against
0: them yeah so unregenerate people are not able to believe that's not something they can just do they can't you we can't persuade them
1: you can't persuade them you can't just have them pray a prayer that prayer is no good unless God is drawing and regenerating them. yeah
0: so that's another place where people will probably you know but 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 against this um, is human persuasion you know and kind of going back to our first episode with altar calls. If God is sovereign in salvation, then we in ourselves cannot say anything to persuade anybody. Whereas these altar calls and things like that where people are trying to persuade somebody, only God does that work and only God changes that heart. So, and you want to add anything to that?
1: I know. just the fix to that, um, the fix to total depravity is a, is a miracle from heaven. Yeah. It's what it takes so what is required to fix this This is why i want to say before we close or if you have anything else to say it just isn't a few minor adjustments it ain't like i said it's a miracle from heaven it's not behavior therapy going to church won't fix it taking behavior
0: modification do better live right those type of things
1: tithing won't fix it you can't buy your way into heaven yeah Taking a moral ethics class won't fix it. Mm-hmm. It just won't. We need to be born from above. We need to be born again. A renovation takes place from the inside. We need to be regenerated and to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way somebody could escape this state of being totally depraved.
0: Yeah, so if you're in Christ, you have hope. And for those that are not in Christ, you're you're experiencing that total depravity now. You're in, You're in opposition. You're an enemy to God. And so total depravity teaches us that, that we're we're totally against God. And as Seth said, the only hope we have is, is in Jesus Christ. And um, speaking of, of on an individual level, if you're talking to somebody else, it's more comforting to know that it, we can share the gospel with someone, preach the gospel to someone, and not have to persuade them to just believe because we're trying to persuade them to believe but to believe that God is sovereign in this and we're talking to dead people. And unless the Holy Spirit of God works, then all we're required to do is preach the gospel to them.
1: Yeah, as Ezekiel said about the dead bones, Mm -hmm. only you, Lord God, know.
0: Only, Yeah, thou knowest, for my King James people. Amen. Thou knowest. Thou knowest. God knows. So hopefully that's a clear uh, explanation of the doctrine of total depravity. We probably could have said a whole lot more. But the main thing is, I hope we were heavy with scripture on why we believe what what we believe. And like I said it's not something that is just new. It's not something that that there's much controversy around honestly until you start mentioning Calvinism and that's where controversy comes in. Yeah. But the doctrine of total depravity has been historically widely accepted by the Protestant church all throughout history. It's not something that's new. And so to 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 butt against it not only are you buttoned against the scriptures we've shared against, with you tonight. Not only are you uh, buttoned against the confessions uh, from from fathers in church history, but you're also um, you're you're buttoned against the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what yeah. He teaches in His Word. So that's why we want to be clear about this. It's not we're not trying to you know cause an argument. I want I want you all to actually learn something from this, as I as I did because I had a, a kind of a mixed up view. Of what this doctrine meant and what it meant, but what our state was before we became Christians. I never had heard it explained like this before. Yeah. And it's something that was totally new to me until about three years ago.
1: Yeah, when you met East Tennessee's version R.C. Sproul. Yeah, when I
0: met the Greg Holler drip theologian. <laughs> little nephew. Dairy, dairy barn eating. Milkshake slanging I don't know. The, what,
1: I never forget that text message. I got one morning uh i think i was working night shift and i just laid down and go to bed i got a text from me it said what do you know about predestination and i was like i believe it it's in the bible yeah i said we could talk about it but it's gonna be a long talking
0: yeah i found this true and just to share this with you from my own personal experience i found this true when we left our home church that we spent many years in um and god bless them and I, i still love them all to this day because the love of God uh, has that. We, we have that in us, uh, his love for our brothers and sisters. But when I left from that environment, what I did was actually just sit at home. I mean, not say I sit at home. I did we, we visited churches, but in my study of Scripture, I sat with an open Bible and an open mind saying, God, tear to pieces every single thing that I've been taught and teach me from your word. And Holy Spirit worked in that and opened my eyes to many things that I never would have dreamed that I would ever believe. But they were kind of, I was reading them straight from the Bible. I wasn't hearing it from some other person or somebody saying, "Well, that's just what we believe," because that's a common thing. Why do people believe things? Well, because when they're asked when they ask questions about them, people will just most time they'll say, "Well, that's just what we believe." Well, why do you believe that? Examine the Scripture to to see if what you believe is true. Is it biblical? Or is it something that's just been passed down to you? And many times when we do that, I know we've shared this before on this on the on our show, but many times when you do that you find out that God's word will oftentimes rip to pieces things that you've been taught and rebuild that foundation around God's word and around Christ.
1: Yeah, that's why that's the main thing was when you text me that I always want to point you to the scriptures. Yeah. I can't do no wrong when I point you to the scriptures. Absolutely. And I just say, go here, go here, go here. And and a lot of times when I talk to people about this doctrine, they're like, well, what about this verse? What about this verse? I say, well, God is consistent in mm-hmm. his word. Yeah. So examine the scriptures. Proof text could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. You need to take what the whole Bible says. Yeah,
0: take it in whole. and. That's a, that's a great point because a lot of times you can find uh, pieces of scripture that you think would contradict one thing that you read. You read these two things, you think, well, these are kind of opposed to one another. Well, God's not opposed to himself. God's not, an author, not the author of confusion. So reading things in context and examining the whole of Scripture, what does Scripture really teach, what's the story that God's really telling, it's a story of redemption all throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, 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 from Genesis to Revelation, God's story is a story of redemption. And how that redemption takes place throughout the Scriptures is where you, where we pick up these doctrines and these things that we hold to, that we believe. And I really think will help you off if you listen uh, and, and take into consideration the Scripture that we're sharing with you, take into consideration uh, the fact that this is throughout church history, these doctrines have been accepted. And the only thing that people, uh, you know, raise and throw flags on is because it's it's contrary to what the norm is where you live most of the time. It's contrary to the norm than the environment that you're currently in, probably, for most of you that will listen. And it's contrary to what you have been taught growing up. And I don't say it in a disrespectful way too, because... You know we have access to a lot more things now, to where we can can learn a lot more. We have the internet where people, you know, 40 years ago weren't learning the type of things that we have the access to at the push of a button now. But what I'm saying is, we're much as given, much as required. We've been given this not this ability to to see these things and to learn these things. But if we just choose to remain ignorant to them and just believe what we've always been taught and never challenge that then you won't ever see any real growth and you'll just continue down the path that you... And I'm telling you, this is somebody who did that for many years. Yeah. And God brought me to this place that I'm at now. And I'm, I'm trying to bring this to you because I really feel like this will help somebody if, if y'all stay tuned for this whole thing.
1: That's absolutely true. And we're not Calvinists because of John Calvin. We're Calvinists because that's the nickname for the doctrine. Yeah. And we believe that's what the Bible teaches. Yeah. No, the name I'm... has a bad rap, though. It does, yeah. but...
0: yeah. Which gives it a little bit of uh, rebel edge there. A little
1: rebel edge. <laughs> little, yeah, I prefer to say doctrines of grace. Or it don't matter to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. So if you're if you're one of those people that say, "Well, we don't need to know about doctrine. We don't need to know about all this and all that." Well, okay. If you don't want to know about that, then just shut your Bible and don't ever read it again because it's full, the the whole scripture's full of it. Yes, we can We can put too much of our own thoughts into this, but I hope you've learned through this that we're just trying to give you what the Bible says about this and what historically the church has said about this because we, we hold to creeds and confessions and all these things, and each each church you go into, they say, well, no creed but Christ or whatever people say about that. But you also see that each church has a statement of faith. Each church has a, a doctrine statement. Each church has these things that they that they hold to and they believe. So... It, this is nothing new that we're bringing to you. This idea of doctrine and and uh, belief, it's nothing new. No. Each church has something that they hold to.
1: No, even the Second Timothy says, "Preached word be instant in season, out season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and
0: doctrine." And doctrine, yep. So out of King James, though. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyways, we'll uh, Scofield King. Hey. Leather with your name on the front of it gold, it's got to be gold I've, leather. Got a, I've got a black skull filled with my name and gold on the front. I of it. believe you're right with uh, God. I've got a white shirt and black dress shoes too. Hey man. <laughs> might be Mormon, might be independent Baptist. I don't know. <laughs> anyways, we'll cut it off there, guys. Hopefully you've learned something from this real quick. I want to give a shout out. i've I've shouted my wife out on the intro episode, and I think I shouted Marshall, my oldest out, my wife Rachel, Let me say that. I didn't say her name on the on the intro episode i'm pretty sure i shouted out marshall on that first episode too but my little reedy was uh he was worried that he didn't get a shout out on on any of the episodes yet so i want to take a second to give a shout out to the mvp of a 2021 wolverines 8-9 football season reed arnett Woo! aka my (laughs) son let's give a little hand clap a boy you my boy anyways what you got said
1: i just want to shout out to my beautiful girl i can't even talk
0: <laughs> oh lord he's splashing over here
1: <laughs> i want to give a shout out to my. i get i get uh
0: get, he, he, okay. gets, he gets all googly
1: <laughs> i just want to give a shout out to my beautiful girlfriend in atlanta georgia ellen gorley uh thank you for being so good to me and faithful and i'm hoping you're having a good night
0: there you go and his face is about 40 shades of red right now anyways with that being said, tune in next week. We will get into episode two of our five-point our five point series of the Five Points of Calvinism. Episode two will be Unconditional Election, and that's the second teaching in the Doctrines of Grace. <laughs>
1: you
0: got anything else you want to say for us? No, nah, that's
1: it. God bless you guys.
0: All right. Y'all have a good night. We love you.